Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm podcast producer BJ Lisko. Craig Webb will join us momentarily. In today's episode, we're joined by Beacon Journal reporter Stephanie Warsmith and Akron police detective Sandra Ridgeway-Williams to discuss the Akron Sexual Assault Kit Initiative, which uses new investigative techniques such as DNA to help solve sexual assault cold cases. But first, here's Craig with the top headlines from BeaconJournal.com. After a national search, Akron has narrowed down its search for the city's next police chief down to four candidates. Now the finalists are from the Akron Police Department. The candidates include the chief of the Albany Police Department in New York, a recently retired deputy commissioner of the Philadelphia Police Department, the chief of the Bellevue Police Department in Washington State, and the deputy chief of the Portland Police Bureau in Oregon. Those businesses and residents who depend on a municipal-owned broadband internet service could find themselves looking for new providers as a Provision has been included in the Ohio $75 billion state budget that that would eliminate such services and not allow municipalities to offer broadband internet services. If you visited downtown Akron, you've probably seen them buzzing by the 200 or so scooters that were placed in the city there where you can rent them for a ride are becoming more and more popular, particularly on the evenings as people take to the towpath and city streets to go to various events. BeaconJournal.com and all of our apps always feature updated headlines and subscriber-exclusive content you can't find anywhere else. And now for our spotlight story, we're joined by Beacon Journal reporter Stephanie Warsmith, who has been reporting on the Akron Sexual Assault Kit Initiative that uses new investigative techniques such as DNA to help solve cold cases. Also joining us, Detective Sandra Ridgeway-Williams. Welcome. Hello. Thanks. Glad to be here. So I, I, I think it's interesting, you know, this this topic, obviously, and, and the importance of, of solving cold cases. But I, I guess, you know, just to, to start out, I mean, does this really replace good old-fashioned police work? I mean, is it all technology solving crimes, or does it still come down to chasing leads and and the usual investigative techniques that, that have been around for forever? No, it does not replace old-fashioned <laughs> investigating. We're, we still investigate. Um, even though these are cold cases, we're still investigating them the old-fashioned way, as you'd say. Um, we are still speaking to the survivors of these sexual assaults. We're still interviewing and interrogating suspects. Now, of course, with the advances in technology, yes, that it just helps our investigation. It enhances it because we're able to have more evidence on our side. So I guess to start out, I mean, where does, you know, what does it really do? What What is the initiative kind of? You know, how do you select the cases? What's the scope of of what you're looking at? If I had to describe it in one short sentence, I would say that uh, our Akron Sexual Assault Kid Initiative, or SAKI as we call it, in one short sentence, what we do is investigate our cold case sexual assaults, which occurred here in Akron between 1999 and 2016. 
but the broader picture of what we do and uh, what our unit is, is that it's it has a lot lot of moving parts to it. We're a multidisciplinary team that's made up not only of the Akron Police Department. Uh, we have the Summit County Prosecutor's Office part of it, Victims Assistance Program, Rape Crisis Center, our Ohio BCI, our uh, Bureau of Criminal Investigation. They're all part of our team. We have a research component to our unit, which is uh, the Case Western Reserve University's Jack Joseph and Morton Mandel School of Applied Sciences, as well as now we have Advanced DNA, which is part of our team, because that's where the genealogy component kicks in. Uh, We investigate these cases from previously untested sexual assault kits. So APD started submitting these untested sexual assault kits back in 2004. And this was all part of what they called the New Hope Initiative, which was designed to get more unknown offenders into the federal CODIS database. And CODIS stands for Combined DNA Index System. Um, and those unknown offenders were the the perpetrators who attacked these people, women mostly, um, and we did not know who they were. You know, some people who have been sexually assaulted, they knew who their attacker was. Um, but we sent up the cases that were that had unknown offenders. They did not know who the offender was. And then back in 2011. Um, our now Governor DeWine, he was uh, the Ohio Attorney Gen- General, he mandated that uh, all the sexual assault kits be tested all over the state of Ohio. Uh, Akron, we had 1,822 untested kits. So we got those tested. And um, when once they were all tested, When our unit began, our priority was to was given to the cases that were that had CODIS hits, meaning um, the perpetrator's DNA was in this CODIS system, this combined DNA index system. So we kind of started off like, hey, we we have these sexual assault kits that were tested and it came back with a CODIS hit, meaning we know who committed that sexual assault. So those were the ones that we investigated first. So Sandra, what was your, your next step? You have a kit with a hit, um, a DNA match. Uh, what, what do you, you and the other detectives do then? Well, we as the, the investigators, uh, which includes myself, Detective Bowen Carter, Crystal Bowen Carter, and Patrick Armstead, I replaced Paul Siegfried, who has since retired. But what we do when we get assigned um, a case, one of the code cases from our lieutenant, Dave Whitten, we first do a background on kind of like looking up past reports from the victim as well as from the suspect. We try to find, you know, just to get a little background information on the people we're going to be dealing with. 
So we look and see, you know, what type of reports were filed for uh, that were made by the victim as well as the suspect. Then from there, we try to locate them using different uh, websites to locate where they are now, because keep in mind, these were cases that happened back between 99 and 2016. People have moved. Unfortunately, some people have died. So we're going through uh, different websites to try to find and locate these people. And have you found the victims once you've talked to them to be cooperative or not so or combination of both? Well, actually, believe it or not, many of the survivors of these sexual assaults are very cooperative with us. Now, after we've talked to them and and gotten as much information as we can about what happened to them, many of them decide that they don't want to continue with the investigation. They don't want us to continue. They say, hey, that's something that happened so many years ago. I put it behind me. I don't want to dredge up that information anymore. That was a traumatic time for me. I I just want I'm happy moving on and they don't want us to continue the investigation. So at that point, we will write up our report, which is called an action taken. And we uh, submit it and close the case. But for those survivors that we talk to that want something to happen, um, then that's when we continue our investigation and try to locate the suspect and keeping in contact with our uh, Summit County prosecutors that are assigned to our unit. So how many arrests have you guys had so far because of these DNA matches? We have had 11 arrests charged. Three of them have actually um, been gone to trial and been found guilty. Uh, the one you're most familiar with from here is Prentice Smith. And um, he was the one that they just finished his case a few weeks ago, and he was sentenced to 81 years. Uh, Kevin McClellan, he just was found guilty back on June 3rd, and he's going to be sentenced. He set for his sentencing on at the end of July, so next month. And then uh, Jerome Keyes, he was a serial offender, just like Prentice Smith. Um, he's already in prison. He was sentenced back in October of 2020. There are several others that haven't come up yet because, of course, we all know about COVID and how it kind of put the world on pause. So those cases, our court system really came to a screeching halt. So everything got pushed back. So now we're in the process. Now the the wheels of justice have begun to turn again. So we're slowly getting these uh, cases back on the court's dockets so that uh, they can have their day in court. Now, do you expect those um, other cases that are still pending to result in please go to trial or do you think it'll probably be a combination of those? I personally believe it's going to be a combination of them. It just depends. Once the 
prosecutors get the case after they're done being investigated are some county prosecutors get it, which is Brian Stano and Jenny Shooky, and they handle the that process from there. So we as investigators, we don't really know. Um, one interesting thing I thought we could talk a little bit about is the, the most recent grant you guys have received for uh, um, genealogical testing. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what you're hoping to, to gain from that? Sure. Um, we have a th- we were awarded a three year grant back in December of 2020. It's for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars total. And that's broken down into fifty thousand dollars each year. That's budget budgeted for each year. Our department is going to be using the organization uh, Advanced DNA, and they're based out of Texas, but we actually have a local representative close by here in Ohio. The, we have thirty-one cases currently that are earmarked for uh, potential genetic genealogical analysis. And 14 of those are what we call John Doe warrants. And it goes in one of those 31 cases is dated back to 1994. Sandra, can you explain what a John, the John Doe warrant is? People might not know what that is. Yes. A John Doe warrant is when a person has been sexually assaulted and they go to the emergency room and they and they conduct a sexual assault examination and they collect all the uh, evidence from them and put it into the sexual assault kit. When it's submitted to BCI, when they do their testing, it's going to come back with the victim's DNA and they'll uh, come back if the perpetrator trader left some DNA there that they were able to obtain, it'll show up, but they won't have a name for it because they won't be in CODIS. So that's the John Doe part where they don't know who who it is, but they actually have their DNA in that kit. And you have to do that because of the statute of limitations on, on yes. these cases, correct? Yes. Because we we filed the John Doe warrant so that it kind of stops the time for that case. And to go back to the genealogical testing, I I know this has been used on some high profile cases. Um, When we were talking recently, you mentioned the Golden State Killer is one. Explain how that works a little bit. For the genealogy, what we do is it it, uh, identifies cases with a DNA profile from the sexual assault kit, but there's no CODIS hit, just like I explained earlier. And so we don't really have a a suspect. So BCI, the Bureau of Criminal Investigation, they determine whether um, there is enough of that foreign DNA from that rape kit to do the necessary additional testing that's needed for the genealogy. Now, if there is enough of that foreign DNA sample available, then that D, that uh, foreign DNA gets sent to advanced DNA so they can do their testing. And that's going to narrow it down and, and point to potential family members that could then steer you toward possible suspects. Is that is that correct? Yes. The profile is entered 
into a law enforcement accessible genealogy database such as GenMatch. And just so you know, for those of you who are concerned that law enforcement will have access to your DNA, if you're going through Ancestry.com or 23andMe, law enforcement does not have access to those. But we will use those databases that do allow us in, such as GenMatch. Now, the genealogists, they look for relatives of that suspect profile. So if you submit your DNA to GenMatch and because you're trying to find your your ancestry line, they would be able to use your DNA to try to find match it up to that profile that they received from BCI for that DNA, that DNA profile. Sandra, I'm kind of curious, and I, and I know these are cold cases, but, you know, we all kind of have this vision of a Hollywood ending or, or a TV drama. I mean, have you found that suspects who you maybe in the case files were a possible suspect, the DNA cleared them or vice versa, that someone who was a suspect or wasn't enough evidence, you know, looking through the case file, but the DNA solved it and said, yes, we, you know, the instincts were right. Yes, I believe that the cases that we've um, been involved with, the DNA kind of confirmed it for us. Uh, we haven't had any going through uh, genealogy just yet, but we're working on that now since we just got our grant and it's going to, we have those 31 cases earmarked to be sent to them. Well, it sounds like this is a topic that, that in investigations will will continue. So I'd like to thank Stephanie and Sandra for joining us today. And uh, maybe we'll reconvene and and discuss the progress in the coming months. Okay, that'd be great. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Now You Know Akron podcast. We'd like to thank our producer, B.J. Lisco, and you for joining us. Be sure to check out our next edition. This podcast is available weekly on our website and also the various apps where you can find all your favorite podcasts. We'd like to invite you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber to the Beacon Journal in either digital or print form. If you're already a subscriber, we thank you. Until next time, now you know Akron.